Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week, we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our podcast, Growing Up With Galdem. So Arja Barber is an American writer, stylist and consultant who lives in London. And I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with Arja's work, which focuses on sustainability and ethics. 
within the fashion industry, which is a hugely important and timely topic, and specifically looks at how these topics intersect with race and feminism and colonisation. So thank you so much, Aja, for joining us. We're so excited to have you here um, with us. We know it's been a very, very hectic weekend for you. Yes, indeed, it has been. But thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of your work, so. Oh, how exciting, how exciting. Oh, thank you so much. Just to kick things off, I wanted to ask you a question about joy, because I know we're going get, to be getting into some heavy topics. So I was wondering if you might be able to tell us a little bit about what's been giving you joy in this very strange period that we've been living in. Giving me joy, seeing... It's going to sound really bad. Like, I'm not that into TikTok, but my mother has gotten really into TikTok and she sends me some really funny (laughs) church lady memes. And that's quite fun. Uh, My niece has a TikTok and I find her so funny. But of course, every person thinks that like their niece and nephew is so funny. But (laughs) I do actually think she's quite funny. Um, And uh, I get joy from moving my body. I've been doing ballet at my dining room table throughout the pandemic. And I think that it's an act of rebellion to have a larger black body and to engage in an art form like ballet, which has been restrictive, not just of bigger bodies, but black bodies as well. And so it brings me joy. And I feel like dance in some ways can be an act of rebellion if you're the person who's not supposed to fit the uh, model version of what's who should be engaging in that. So I find joy in all sorts of things. I find joy in a good book. I find joy in online conversations, though lately I haven't been finding a lot of joy there. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's an interesting one for you to have um, picked out. And on that on that topic, it would be wonderful um, if you could read out a paragraph from an article, which is what we'll be we'll be kind of like reflecting on throughout the course of this episode. I know that a lot has been happening online, as we mentioned, and we will get into a little bit more once you've read this paragraph out, if that's all right. Yeah, it's been kicking off. You asked me to read from EcoAge's article. I spent many a broke year in my past writing and speaking about sustainable and ethical fashion when this didn't pay your yearly salary, and it certainly didn't make you any friends. Even now, in a time when sustainability seems to be one of the most commonly used words throughout the fashion industry, it still isn't as lucrative as many occupations. Like me, most people do a variety of things to match our dreams with our pay. But I love what I do and genuinely believe that in the future, there will be more budgets and there will be more money. We're going forward, not backwards, and sustainability is our future. Thank you so much for reading that out for us. Um, Liv and I have obviously naturally read the full article and it's a really interesting um, topic and I would recommend everyone to go and read it. And it's on a magazine called Eco Age. Is that right? Yes. And so I was wondering, you know, how did that feel for you reading that back in the context of everything that's been happening, especially over the past few days with Lucy and Yak? Well, I still strongly feel the same way. I mean... I feel like if we're to build a truly sustainable future where everybody claims to like care about all the stuff that we're talking about, especially in the conversation about sustainability and race, then everyone has to come correct. And for me, that just looks like accountability and accountability doesn't have to be this big, hard thing. It doesn't have to be, oh, well, you didn't get this thing right So therefore, you can't do this ever again. It looks like just acknowledging what you probably haven't done right, you know. And so 
the essay that I wrote was basically about sustainability really being co-opted because I think in 2018, 2019, it definitely ran the risk of turning into a space that was only able-bodied, cisgender, skinny white people. That that was what, you know, sustainability was looking like for a long time. And we have to change the culture of that. But if we're to have an ethical fashion movement that is truly ethical, then that looks like a lot of people just coming correct. And sometimes people don't do that and it doesn't feel very good. Mm-mm. I think it's, it's probably um, important for us to offer some context beyond saying a lot has been happening online because a lot has been happening online, but not everyone will know the full extent of, of what is happening. And I think, you know, a, a large part of what is happening is kind of stemming from, I guess, brands outwardly outwardly projecting one message and internally um, kind of kind of doing another thing. Um, would you would you be able to talk us through a little bit of what has been kind of happening over the past few days in your own words to add a little bit of context to this conversation? Totally. So basically one of the things that I do with my platform, I'm about sustainability, but I think that if we're to have an inclusive, sustainable movement, we have to work on inclusivity, especially when it comes to bodies. Like one of the things that the fashion industry is notoriously bad about is not making clothing for everybody. That has been rife throughout the fashion industry and it has to stop. And I think that in sustainability, we often have these movements where people will be like, "Mm, we're so much better than that movement while doing the same practice of being essentially fat phobic. And so I often challenge sustainable brands to include plus-size people. And generally, if I message a brand about being plus-size inclusive and they goof it up, all I do is just simply not mess with them anymore. I don't recommend you to my readership. Um, If I have your clothing, I stop wearing it on my grid. I'm not going to come out and like outwardly like swipe at you and drag you for filth because I'm busy. But what I will do is make sure that you're not going to be recommended by me in places where we're talking about inclusivity, diversity, that sort of stuff. Because one thing we see with brands is so much woke washing. Everyone wants to jump on board the thing when it is 150% acceptable to do so. When the boulder and the conversation has been pushed uphill by other people, then you could swoop in and get woke points and your fans will be like, you're amazing. Oh my God, you're so great for like doing this thing. But in actuality, you probably had the power and privilege to do what you should have done all along, but you didn't do it. So like own up to that, own up and talk about why. Because part of the reasons why I think people feel so gaslit about fat phobia is a lot of people just don't want to own up to it. You know, it's a pernicious thing in our society. It's it's subtle, but it's there. And when people want to dive into the conversation, one of the things that they don't do is own up to their previous ways of being fat phobic. And so what I request is when a brand is even diving into that topic, if you aren't being the most size inclusive brand, be honest about what happened. And in the case of a certain brand, A lot of us spent a lot of time two years ago talking to them about the topic of fat phobia and why they, of all people, should be the people to engage in pushing the narrative. Because let's be honest, you have one product that's like a moneymaker. You have one product. 
You know what I mean? Like for some small designers, they might have 16 pieces in their collection, very small budget, so they can't make all the sizes. That's fine. But when you reach the mid-level brand size that you're at, when you have a brick and mortar store and you really only sell one product and that's your moneymaker, you won't offer it in more sizes. Let's say what that really is, because it's not like you don't have the tools to do it. You're just not doing it, you know? And so many of us had had a conversation about two years ago with a brand about the ways in which they were being fat phobic and how they did have the tools and resource to actually just make more sizes and to continue to offer more sizes. And instead of taking accountability, the brand sort of poo-pooed the conversation and then just kept saying, oh, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. But they didn't do it for two years. And then they sort of like came out with the podcast with a consultant who deals in plus sizes who wasn't available, who wasn't in this conversation two years ago. So they pretty much made it seem like these conversations hadn't happened and like they were just doing this thing and it's amazing and let's all learn about fat phobia together while not acknowledging that a lot of people had spent a lot of time and energy educating them two years ago and that this isn't a new conversation to them. They sort of arrived at it acting like they were brand new, but they're not brand new. And, you know, they need to they need to just be accountable. That's all I'm asking for. Not asking for a boycott, not asking for anyone to cancel a brand. I never do that with ethical and sustainable brands, but I do ask people to hold ethical brands to the high standards that they claim to be at. That's all I'm saying. And as a result, the fan base of this particular brand turned against me and the racism and fat phobia that has always been just lying beneath the surface came simmering right to the top like a crappy stew. And uh, it's been horrible. It's been 72 hours of messages about how I'm jealous, how I'm using this to monetize my own platform, which by the way, my Instagram is like 90% unmonetized. I don't do a lot of Instagram ads. So, you know, if this was my way of making money for myself, it would be a horrible way. Like there's no real price on the trauma that comes with thousands of white people messaging you to say horrible, coded, bigoted, nasty things to you. You can't put a price on that trauma, you know, but apparently I'm doing it just to, uh, you know, make myself better and to take down this small brand when in actuality, I just actually want them to be better. That's all I want. It's interesting as well that you've kind of like omitted, um, omitted their names. I mean, I know that we haven't, but you've omitted their names, but they kind of failed to omit your names or protect you in that way um, in, in the kind of videos back and forth that I've seen. Let me be honest. I don't trust this brand. I don't trust them to not come up with a sneaky lawsuit. As, as a Black woman, I think about this a lot because in my past, I've gotten white people who have done outwardly racist things being like, if you ever call me racist again, I'll sue you. I think every black person that talks about race has gotten that from a white person. So when it comes to people that haven't exactly been forthcoming about things that have happened behind the scenes, I'm real careful. You know, I have my recollection of what happened and they have theirs. And currently it doesn't really seem like those recollections match up, but there are hundreds of plus size people who have a very similar recollection to me. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I guess um, I'd be interested to know when you started engaging with brands in this way. So like when in your career you started having those conversations sort of behind the scenes with people. How, you know, has it got easier engaging with brands in that way? Do you, do you have hope for the future that? Um, so I've actually always been someone who's super vocal with brands as a kid. Uh, my parents used to call me the letter writer because I figured out at a young age that if you're not happy with something with a brand, you should let them know. Like their corporation, it is their job to actually be better because they're selling products. So like tell them. And as a kid, what I found was, you know, you would get like, say an item fell apart. If you wrote that brand, often they would send you, they would replace the item, which they actually should do. Like that's, that's a genuine practice that should be engaged. And I think consumer trust is so weirdly low with a lot of brands at the same time while treating them like humans that not enough people actually write brands and demand that like, if you have a product that gives out before a year is up, they should replace that, you know? So I began to do that. And what I would find is sometimes CEOs would write me back and it would be a very interesting conversation. Wow. How old were you, sorry, when you started writing these letters? I've got this picture of like a young you, just like... 12, 13. Mm-mm. Yeah. You know, but it turned into other things. Like my sister was working for a chain that you all probably well and know. And the management there was being quite abusive towards the employees and wasn't paying them for their breaks, which is illegal. Um, And so when she quit the job, she had told me, and I wrote 
their lawyer, their general counsel, and was like, just want to let you know this is going on in these stores and you all owe my sister X amount of money. And they paid up rather quickly. But I don't think that a lot of the other employees even realized that what was happening within that brand was actually illegal. You know, so that corporation got away with stealing money from their employees because not enough people actually got together and said, actually, wait a minute, this is uncool. This is illegal. You can't make us do this. And in that job, they also made her do other things that weren't cool. Like one time a drunk person came into the store and urinated in one of the dressing rooms. And my sister's manager tried to make her clean that. And my sister called me from the bathroom and was like, help. And I was like, you tell her that's a safety health violation. That's a health code violation. She can go clean it herself. And my sister was like, I'm not cleaning that. And then because she stood up, the manager ended up cleaning it herself, which congratulations, bootlicker. Like you love this brand so much, but you were going to try and make people that are young do something that is really gross that you didn't want to do yourself. But because this one person stood up to you and actually pulled out some legalese on you, all of a sudden you were you were okay with cleaning up pee, but you wanted them to clean it up before, you know? And everybody else had sort of an, an I'm Spartacus moment off of my younger sister pulling out the legal rule book. But it's because she had called me in the bathroom and been like, oh my God, oh. That makes so much sense that you've always been that person <laughs> to know, you know, like <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, right, I've got a sticky situation. I know who I'm going to call. And there's like a little nugget of advice, you know, actually. Can I actually be honest? My dad is was union president okay. of a union for 30 plus years. So my dad got a nickname from a company lawyer once as the jailhouse lawyer. And so... It kind of is in our blood, I guess, in this weird way, you know? And it's not fun because when you're that person in that position and you stand up, if other people don't stand with you, then you're just the person that gets your head chopped off. Mm-mm. Did you have, um, like, do you have, like, quite a close relationship with your dad? Did he really, like, instill those, those like, union principles within you? Yeah, no, I remember going to union meetings as like a a young girl, basically. And I remember he was always sort of doing like community things and trying to pull people together. Somebody got fired at another place of work. He would recommend a lawyer for them, especially if it was an unlawful firing. So, yeah. And my grandfather was actually a civil rights organizer. He organized buses from York, Pennsylvania to the March on Washington. And my dad was there. So... Yeah, a lot of this is sort of, it is in your blood. I mean, but I don't want to be like, oh, look at me, I'm great, you know? But you do sort of learn about, like, activism and that sort of stuff sometimes from your parents. But some people are totally rad and have awful parents. So, you know, I just feel lucky, I guess. I'm kind of interested in the, in the like, evolution of, like, career as well and, like, knowing that this was, this was the kind of path for you, um, you know, in, in the field of fashion and kind of, like, sustainability I don't know if, you know, was that a job or a thing that you knew? No, no. And I I tell people this all the time. So sustainability didn't exist when I was getting my college degree at all. There are still, you know, universities that don't have any programs for this sort of thing. And so for me, I actually worked in television like my dad, which means that I have a fair amount of privilege um, when it comes to career. But if you're not like the richy rich executive kids, you know, 
daddy is an executive, you still actually do have to work fairly hard, especially as a black person and a woman in a traditionally male dominated industry. Um, so, and it's not like my dad is a higher up, but he has, you know, worked in TV for many years. So as a teenager, I was working on TV crews when I was, um, a child, you know, like when I was able to work, like not breaking any labor codes, (laughs) but I've been working since I was a teenager as a production assistant, that sort of thing on TV stuff. Yeah, it definitely sort of taught me a lot, but also the TV industry is super abusive in a lot of ways. So when the allegations came out about like Harvey Weinstein there was not a single woman and not a single black woman that was surprised by any of that. So when I'm on the internet, people will say to me like, oh my God, how do you deal with this? And the truth is I was brought up in an industry where people shouting abuse at you should be illegal, but sometimes isn't, you know? So I wanted to work in fashion, but for all the things that I talk about, privilege, race, et cetera, once I got out of school and realized what the landscape of fashion looked like, I didn't take a traditional path because there was absolutely zero space for me there. Like if there was no space in TV, there was really no space in fashion. But I would sort of dilly-dally. I would go and I would go and work for a brand. My school had a work abroad program. And that was how I ended up in London working for a small streetwear firm. That was an incredible experience. Uh, But then later on, I moved up to New York and worked in magazines. That was a horrible experience. So I would work in TV, I would save a ton of money, and then I would go do something that wasn't very well paid within fashion to sort of feel around. And then on the side, I was also writing essays about race because any person in America who is a marginalized person who is doing the type of work that we do saw the Donald Trump election coming from a few miles away. So I started to write about race as I was seeing people like Ichiyama Oluo write. And I was seeing, you know, finally there was a space for Black women's voices. And I was writing about race, very separate of fashion. And I was beginning to realize that sustainability needed to be a thing because I was charting how we were buying and how our buying habits were changing And I was writing about all these things in different separate corners while also working in TV. And when I moved here in the UK, I didn't want to go back to TV because I've never actually enjoyed it. And I ended up just sort of writing on the internet because when you come here on a visa for marriage, you actually can't work. So you're just writing because you can't do anything else until you actually get your settlement visa. And that's how this platform grew, basically. One of the things that you speak about um, within your extract is the idea of redemption um, and obviously accountability, which we've touched on already, but also like owning your mistakes. And I was just wondering if on a personal level, as well as on, you know, speaking about brands, this is something that you've always been comfortable doing. I think it's really hard for everyone to know how to say I'm sorry. And part of that comes from the past that we live in white supremacy patriarchal society, you know, where basically everyone wants to end racism, but nobody wants to talk about the roots of it. And no one wants to acknowledge that they just, everybody's just like, can't we just get over it? It's like, no, you have to acknowledge and make good with the past before you can move forward. That's what that looks like. And it looks like doing that from the root of like your industry and the root of your company you know, 
if you want to move into an ethical space where everybody should treat it fairly, you know? And I think our society in general, you know, the phrase never say you're sorry, I think that's really problematic. And I think, um, you know, obviously I think I've struggled in the past. I think we all struggle when, you know, dealing with being called out about something you've done that's problematic. But one of the things I've realized with my platform is that if somebody tells you something you're doing is problematic, they're helping you. So fix your face, you know, like that is good. It's like telling you you've got food in your teeth. You know what I mean? And like, sometimes it doesn't feel good, but when you do something wrong, it shouldn't feel good, you know, because you're, you're causing someone else harm. And so look at it with gratitude that someone's telling you when you're messing up, you know, because they're actually saving you from continuing to do harm to other people and making you better overall. So I've tried to view it in that lens, you know, I've really worked hard on taking certain ableist phrases out of my own language. And it's really hard because a lot of us have been brought up with, you know, certain language. Gender pronouns, you know, we've been brought up in a very weird binary world where everything is she, her, and they. It's like, oh, people act like it's so hard. But at the same time, you just got to try. And if you get it wrong, apologize and do better. Don't dwell on your hurt feelings over being told that you've been wrong. But have we all been wrong? Yes. Have we? I've been held to account publicly for making mistakes about things. It doesn't feel good, but it did ultimately make me better in the long run. Did the part of you at first go, oh, I don't, I don't. I don't oh, really yeah, talk. no, I, everybody <laughs> has that reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that, you know, if I'm not coming correct, my readership will definitely pull me up on stuff, you know, and I, I appreciate that, you know, like, I am not a person with disability. So not understanding that Instagram not having captions is super unfair wasn't something that came natural to me. I'm actually partially deaf in my left ear, but I'm not considered, you know, somebody with a disability. Now that I know that, I can push Instagram behind the scenes to add captions to all of their features, which they are slowly rolling out, you know, but that's something that my community asked me for, and I began to realize that it was something that I didn't see because of my privilege. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means I didn't see it. So, so what do you do now? Yeah. Do you think it's important that people approach criticism to whomever, you know, any public figure, any brand in sort of... I think if you're a brand, first of all, we need to separate individuals from corporations. That is a, that is a real, and that's how brands get you. That's how they get you. You see it in like all of the language of companies that are doing bad. It's the idea of we. It's the idea that they treat employees like they, they always say things like we're one big family, except for they don't mind cutting off that entire family to save a few bucks, you know, when it comes to like the chopping board, if the company isn't doing well, you know what I mean? So like, I think we have to separate individuals from corporations. And that is one of the sneakiest things that corporations have done in our society is get you to view them as individuals. And corporations can act as individuals in court, which is deeply problematic because if a corporation were an individual, it would actually be psychotic. 
you know? It can only act in its own best interest, which means that a corporation can't have empathy because it's not a human, you know? So I think we have to separate that. And I get that, like, with people that have a platform, you might be one person, but you also do have certain responsibilities to be better in a way, you know? Otherwise, that power will be taken away from you. But as, you know, marginalized people, I think we know what that looks like more than people who aren't marginalized. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hearing a lot of critiques from white people about, like, I don't like cancel culture. I'm sorry, but, like, cancel culture is a tool of marginalized people, just like protest. And nobody minds when somebody who harms white people, like white women, like Harvey Weinstein gets canceled. That's what happened to him. He essentially got canceled and everyone came coming out of the woodworks. But now I hear all these critiques about cancel culture. And quite frankly, I think that's just used to sort of silence people sometimes. Mm-mm-mm. I'd love to know. So we, we kind of spoke a little bit about what you were like um, as a 13-year-old writing letters and telling everybody how you felt about everything, um, which I think is just such a great thing to be so confident <laughs> um, to do, you know, at, at such an age. And I just wonder, is there any kind of um, any advice? I mean, it doesn't necessarily sound like you needed a huge amount, but is there any advice or any words of wisdom or like encouragement that you'd want to give to that like younger, like 13 year old, for example, version of yourself? I would tell her to hold on because her day is coming. I think with black and brown people, All of a sudden, the world's like, oh, my God, we should listen to Black people, except they're still kind of not doing it, and they're not sharing the power. But I'm finally finding a place for my voice. And there's been so many iterations of, like, seeing people who were colleagues and peers advance and not seeing myself advance. And as a Black woman, that gets you down, you know? When you have a fashion blog and you're seeing all of these people start to get big deal endorsements and getting a lot of fame. Why? Because a lot of them are super rich and like have like lots of cool designer clothing, which their parents buy them. That's actually not a very fair race. And that can make you feel like such a loser. But ultimately, a lot of times people jump ahead because of privilege and that has nothing to do with anything that you've done. And so if I had to give advice to that younger self, I would say, hold on because your day is coming, you know, but it's just not here yet. And it, it kind of sucks that like, I can't really do this as a career until my late thirties when I've seen so many other people have careers in your, in their twenties. But I also think if I had a massive platform in my twenties, I might have definitely said tons of problematic crap. You know, so in some ways I'm really grateful, but in other ways I also think, yeah, but it would be nice to have had, you know, money for my writing because the thing now is that when people have like career success later on in life, it means everything comes later in life. It means if you want to have a kid, now you're really racing against the clock. You're racing against the clock to have, a, you know, if you if you want to have a kid, to have a family, to buy a house, to do any of that stuff. So that's what kind of sucks is that, it doesn't allow you to get established. But in other ways, I feel I'm that much better at my job because this has happened to me later in life. Mm. Thank you. That's lovely. I guess I was also wondering what you think your younger self would think about where you are now. Do you think they'll be proud of who you are? And 
oh my god she would think i was a badass she'd be like she'd be like you're so cool but also why don't you wear more dresses now (laughs) you have you have money to buy like nicer clothing she would she would also wonder like oh but can't you just buy like one fast fashion dress it's really pretty you know (laughs) she'd be like but you really did like that dress when it like flashed up on like google you should just buy it no one will know (laughs) you know Uh, so naughty <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us we really loved hearing um hearing a bit more about you um and and you know the things and the influences that shaped you and the way that you see the ways that you see the world I think it was really interesting to hear about your dad um and that relationship and just like what you were like from a young age because it feels like you've kind of been on that path for for a long time so yeah we appreciate you we really do thank you for having me Thank you so much. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at Galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M. Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com. Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.